Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 127. I'm Jerry Gibson. This is the In Squash Podcast. And before we uh, get started with this episode, I just want to say I hope everyone is uh, healthy and well under the COVID-19 uh, circumstances. Uh, you know, it's pretty grim out there at the moment, but uh, with any luck, uh, we'll battle through this. Uh, we just have to continue to follow uh, what what we need to do to get through it to stop the spread so uh, let's everyone let's uh, in terms of what we can do in the squash community battle through this time away from the courts away from the gyms and uh, I'm sure that we can uh, get through this and uh, when things get back to relative normal uh, status then uh, hopefully we'll all be able to hit the ground running which is kind of what the Reasoning uh, is behind today's episode. Gary Nisbet uh, is back with us today from Squash Skills. Uh, he's a prolific uh, strength and conditioning coach out there. He's been working with Squash uh, Skills for several years, and he's been doing this uh, as well. He's got his own uh, thing going with the Unique Fitness uh, uh, Solutions, I believe it's called. And Gary uh, comes on today, and we talk quite a bit about... Um, current status with the in in the squash community uh with the COVID-19 circumstances we discuss uh court and squash court and gym closures and how that's affected him personally but also uh, uh, in a nutshell how it's affecting everyone under uh, uh in his circumstances as a professional coach in the management side of things uh, he took a big hit. Uh, I think it was the very day we did the podcast. Uh, it was announced that uh, all gyms and all squash courts uh, therein would be uh, would be closed uh, for the unforeseeable future. So uh, Gary uh, comes on though, and we talk quite a bit about how we can uh, sort of overcome this in terms of uh, keeping our eye on the ball of squash players. Uh, there's a lot of stuff out there now, as you can well imagine, on social media with uh, people giving their thoughts and giving their uh, routines in terms of what uh, what they can do, what we can do to uh, stay fit and stay uh, sort of keeping our eye on the ball outside of the, the squash court. I think Gary does a great job of looking at some of the key areas uh, that he finds would be the most important. Um, not only that, he's got his finger on the pulse of a lot of really interesting research, and uh, I asked him about several uh, of the things that he's posted on his uh, social media, and we break that down uh, quite nicely. And uh, as you might know, Gary works with uh, quite a few of the pro players out there, and uh, I thought it would be interesting to discuss what, you know, how things are going in that regard under uh, COVID-19 and what he's doing with them and and how he approaches, uh, how he's approaching things as a coach, uh, the strength and conditioning coach, uh, given the fact that uh, the players aren't able to get to the gym or get onto the squash court. Um, so I know you'll enjoy this because it puts us, we're all in the same boat here, and it'll give us uh, some really good, uh, good insight into how we, we can uh, continue to try to sort of uh, just stay fit, stay healthy, and once things... Uh, get back to relative normalcy uh hopefully we'll be able to hit the ground running so gary's got some great insight in terms of uh, how we can do this so enjoy the episode episode 127 19 yeah, that we're going been, through here <laughs> yesterday we really kind of settled in with the forced closure of all our gyms and clubs and everything was all shut down yesterday so today's just been um 
been manic, got people calling me up about training and all the pros don't know what they're doing and yeah, it's been, been a bit wild. Yeah, I bet. So uh, I guess that's kind of the way that that's across the country now, or is that just in um, in your? No, your everything, I guess. they've shut everything in the UK now. Cinemas, restaurants, gyms, bars, everything, everything shut. It's crazy. Wow. Yeah, I know. For um, on the education side of things, I know the uh, all the IGC exams and uh, A levels and all of that have been cancelled uh, uh, in the UK as well. Yeah, I actually had a text from one of the girls that I coached today. She, she'd applied to an American university um, and it was dependent on her grades. But she's got an email from the university today that they've accepted her predicted grades. So for her, it's actually turned out, turned out quite well. Okay, yeah, it's, yeah, I heard that today as well. Yeah, it's about uh, predicted uh, grades. My daughter's studying in the uh, uh, British curriculum here in the UAE. So she's basically in the same boat and uh, reliant okay. upon uh, what you guys are doing. But um, anyways, thanks for coming on, uh, Gary. I know it's, it's a you know, pretty chaotic time, busy time for everybody, and uh, kind of an unusual yeah. uh, scenario uh, with all this going on. So, uh, yeah. so I'm just wondering, um, let's, get, let's begin with sort of uh, maybe just talking a little bit about the players you're working with. How, how do you... Uh, you know, for any other coaches out there who, uh, I guess, may be going through the same uh, situation, how are you uh, communicating with them? And I guess it's all new. A lot of this may be new to you now, even as we speak. But and uh, what sorts of routines are you planning or are you involved uh, in right now with them? I mean, in terms of communicating with the players, it hasn't been that different because most of them are based further afield most of the players that I work with are training elsewhere so what we have set up is a like a spreadsheet a, a google drive spreadsheet that I fill in with daily training sessions and they'll just you know feedback on that and, and take everything from there so from that perspective the actual communication element hasn't been an issue um you know we talk on the phone and that as well it's more actually now planning workouts that are going to be within a very limited space so just trying to think about things that can be done at home you know whether it's getting outside and going for a run or a bike ride or skipping um yeah just having to be creative right now with with exactly how we design the the, the ongoing sessions yeah i guess it's uh maybe a little bit easier when it comes to strength and conditioning cardio and that kind of uh, thing but when it comes to uh, the actual squash uh, stuff. Uh, I guess that's not your your side of it per se, is it? You're you're more strength cardio and and that kind of yeah. Uh, stuff, primarily, right? it's, it's yeah. It's primarily physical. Some of the players I work with, I also do technical coaching with them, um, and that unfortunately is going to be the first thing that you lose. You know, you can do all the racket drill against the wall and outside, but it's not the same as being on a court. Um, whereas at least with the fitness, you can. It's not going to be as good as, but you can certainly maintain. That's the, the message I'm trying to get across to people. It's, it's going to be very difficult to improve anything right now. But if you maintain it, hopefully over the next few weeks, if things do settle down, when you do get back in the gym or you do get back on the court, you haven't lost um, everything you had. I mean, it would take a couple of weeks to, to lose all of the gains that you've made. And you can certainly slow that by being intelligent with your training, trying to cover the things, things like endurance, you can still work on things about strength and stability. You can still work on, you know, just trying to keep those things going and, and not losing too much 
um, you know, by the time that we actually get back to a normal routine. Yeah, I think I'm not sure if it was one of your posts on Twitter or not, but I I was going through some stuff uh, yesterday, and uh, I think one of the comments was uh, during the, this time, you know, try to you know uh, have goals in terms of your cardio, try try to uh, break break your personal best if you go for a run. I did the same thing. I did that today. I went out and uh, I ran five k, and over it was my best uh, time in the last. Uh, last month or so. So I guess given the circumstances, you can try to push yourself a little, maybe a little bit more uh, given the yeah. fact that we're not, you know, out there playing, playing hard on court anymore. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that, that's a, a big thing as well, setting yourself little goals. You know, some of the players I've worked with, we're looking at, you know, learning to be able to do a pistol squat or learning to be able to do a, a, a certain amount of, of pull-ups or push-ups or everybody's going to be different, but setting yourself those little goals, same as you said, they're getting outside, doing your runs. I don't know how it's going to work with sort of outdoor athletics tracks, but if you can get access to a track, again, you can work on your 400 time, your 800 time. It's not ideal, of course, but there are definitely things that, that can be done just to kind of keep ticking over mentally as well as physically. You know, some of the players I've spoken with today are, are very down, you know, like a lot of us probably are. So if you mm. don't do anything, that's only going to get worse. You've got to get out there, do what you can, um, and just just deal with it as, as, as best we all can. Yeah, I remember um, it was a few years ago, and I, one of my colleagues at the college I, I work for, he's in the, he teaches psychology, and he gave me this book. It was called, um, I think it's called Freedom Flight. And it's about a guy, and, and it, I mean, it's a bit kind of, it's a bit odd, but uh, apparently while he was, I think it was in Vietnam, in um, he was uh, a prisoner in, in, of war in Vietnam, and, and apparently he visualized playing golf the whole time while he was in, uh, as a prisoner of war. And when he, apparently when he was released and returned home, he was shooting uh, incredible golf scores right from the get-go. Now, I don't know how much of that is hyperbole or how much is uh, actually uh, true. I've read the book and, and kind of that's basically what it says. So I guess visualization uh, in terms of, you know, what you, you know, that, that might be something uh, to help you keep your, your eye on the ball uh, on the squash court, maybe. Yeah, without a doubt, there's, there's a lot of good research that's gone into sort of visualization practices like that. And yeah, I mean, I've, I've read similar things. The, the, the magnitude of the effect likely isn't going to be huge, um, but certainly having that kind of mental picture and, and even watching a little bit more squash, you know, go on YouTube, mm. go on the PSA site, watch some games, keep your brain engaged, you know, really study, find the player that you feel has a, a game that you aspire to be like and then watch them. And, and yeah, we all have to think outside the box a little bit right now, but the, the psychological perspective is, is, is a huge one, I think. Yeah. The, uh, did you watch the, uh, the PSA uh, match, they, the squash TV match they had on their last night? I think it was uh, Gaultier versus um, Abelgar. At the Grasshopper Cup. No, I didn't see that one. I think I watched that live first time round. Actually, I remember that was one of Gaultier's last tournaments, wasn't it? Yeah, he was down to love and and came back. Mm, yeah, I think I've yeah. been watching that one before. And as you say, there are there are tons of good games out there to watch. We certainly won't run out of good squash to to watch. Oh, definitely for sure. Now, uh, let's talk uh, about uh, squash routines on, under the the circumstances a bit. Um, now we talked a little bit about it already, but 
in terms of the like a like a daily routine for for the average squash player, you know, above average club player, uh, what would you what would you recommend for the for that in terms of like a day, like what we could be doing each day during the week, kind of thing. For the for the pro players that I'm working with, we're trying to get two sessions in per day. Typically, we'll do a morning session will be related something kind of strength stability based. Um, and then the afternoon session would be endurance based and then normally be some element of mobility in there as well. And I think it's the same, whatever level you play at, you might not want to train twice a day, but, but plan ahead, set out, you know, almost like an appointment, right? Two o'clock, that's going to be my training time. I'm going to have a session that I'm going to do. Um, and I'm going to put that there as, uh, as something that's in my diary. I think if you plan a couple of days ahead, it starts giving you something to focus on. If you just wake up in the morning and think, well, all right, what, what training am I, uh, am I going to do today? That's not going to push you in the right direction. It's, it's got to be something that you plan and you schedule. What I'm trying to do through my social media at the moment, with Instagram and, and Twitter is, is put sample workouts out you know by the way if you don't mind uh, sorry gary if me interrupting you you keep keep up the great work with with the with your social media stuff because it's been motivating uh, me as well especially uh, there've been a I'll, we'll get to it a little bit later but uh, the thing about the cheat meal actually uh, made me feel pretty yeah. good yeah, yeah. There's lots of stuff that I try and post on there and keep people's caffeine up. the caffeine uh, gum. I like that one too. Yeah, that's the yeah, caffeine gum is very, very <laughs> useful when you're training. Yeah, there's, there's lots of little uh, little quirks out there. Um, yeah. But yeah, certainly through my channel, I'm, I'm looking to get, hopefully give people some interesting things to read, hopefully give people some ideas for training. I've actually filmed a couple of uh, new sessions in my, in my front room today, so I'll upload those hopefully later as well. Brilliant. Yeah. And there was also some good stuff on there. Uh, we'll get into a bit, a, a, a little bit later, but the, uh, you know, the importance of, uh, of uh, sleeping. Uh, get it getting you know yeah. eight to ten lebron james 10 hours a day massively so yeah i mean yeah. we can talk more later but i think for the vast majority of people sleeping more and drinking more fluid just those two things alone would have a huge beneficial energy and health benefit but i think i mean you think about it though uh, i know when i go to bed I, I really try not to but you know I think most people are the, are the same way. Uh, we, just, we bring our tablet, our phone, the phone's with us the whole time. Uh, I'm trying not to do that. I try to read or a little bit more these days, but uh, I tend to you know, go back to, you know, to the phone, check emails or watch YouTube or, or, or something like that. And that, that's not helping uh, uh, you with getting a good sleep, is it? It's, it's the light from, from the apps and, and the tablets, yeah. phones that, that is the issue. I think most um, devices have a, a blue screen filter built in now, so you can actually take away, it's the blue light, that, that, that's the harmful element. So if you use one of these filters, it, it just changes the color of the screen very slightly. Um, and then, I mean, it's still not ideal, but it's a hell of a lot better than, than having the blue light coming through. Yeah, I know there's nothing bad, nothing puts me to sleep more quickly than a, than a book. <laughs> yeah yeah i think reading for a lot of people is a little bit more bland but yeah. maybe that's a good thing a lot of people struggle to sleep so maybe having a routine where you do read um mm. yeah in, in terms of repairing your body when you're training hard the, the sleep is absolutely crucial yeah it's, it's interesting like um i can remember i remember in my my own sort of squash accomplishments uh i had a big match i think it was like a atlantic open can canadian final or something 
And uh, I remember I was so kind of fired up about it. I couldn't sleep like the night before. And this happens to, uh, uh, you hear it happens to a lot of people. Then the next mm. day you go, I played well that, that next day. I think it's probably mm. because I, was, I went over things. I, I was kind of thinking about the match and, and played well. Uh, so I guess in some, I'm not sure why that went against the, you know, the, the, the rule of, you know, getting a, a bit of sleep, but maybe the fact that, you know, I wasn't out partying or anything. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, it was going through things about the match that that might've sort of helped me on the day, but uh, I'm not sure. I think just, just sometimes <laughs> things like that you get through on adrenaline alone, you know, you get yeah. through the game with that. But I think the important thing to think about, and it's the same with your diet as well. It's not just the night before. It's not just that one night or, or that one meal. It, it's a cumulative mm. effect in terms of sleeping. You know, if you've got a big tournament, big match coming up, you need to be really thinking about your sleep two weeks ahead, 10 days ahead, because it's the, the ongoing um, effect, you know, just that one night before, it's, it's not going to make a huge difference. Same Absolutely, yeah. Rubbish all week, right? I've got a big tournament starting <laughs> on Friday, so Thursday, I'm going to eat really well. It's, yeah. it's, you Had know, a salad before the match, and then, but meanwhile, yeah. you, you'd been eating at McDonald's for, for two months. Yeah, literally, that's what it's like. Oh, yeah, no, I've eaten really well the last couple of days. Well, yeah, what about everything else before that? It's, yeah, it's, it's I mean, without going off on a tangent, it's, it's a huge, it's a lifestyle thing. If you want to train and improve whatever it is, whatever physical element, whether it be squash or running or cycling, it, it's a lifestyle thing. You, you can't just do it occasionally. It's, it's got to be consistent. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I know we've sort of alluded to this a couple of times already, but I'd just like to sort of maybe if you could clear it up, what, what would you say should be the, the planning uh, and the mindset of players who, who want to continue moving forward at, during the, you know, under these circumstances rather than stagnating, which could easily happen? I mean, you, you, you know, you think I, I can't get out on court, you know, I can't meet up with my friends to train hard. Uh, you know, I'm just going to stay at home and maybe watch, you know, get stuck into uh, um, YouTube or something. What, what can, what would you say should be the planning, uh, sort of generally speaking, planning and mindset uh, of the, the squash community uh, who plays regularly, like I think a lot of the listeners do? Yeah, it's, again, it's, as I said, about planning ahead. I think that the mindset has to be maintenance. It has to be maintaining what you've got you know, not being unrealistic and think you're going to be able to improve anything massively. Um, but it's, it's, it's the planning, it's the scheduling. We've, we've done a, a playlist with squashskills.com that we filmed earlier in the week before the shutdown came. So that will be hopefully coming out within the next week or two. Mm. So I've gone through a series of workouts for each of the strength element, a power element, an endurance element. We even tried to do a speed element. You know, it's hard when you've got a very confined space um but we've got a whole list of workouts coming out i've got stuff that i'm putting up on my social media so it's just a matter of picking out some of these sessions and and just trying to plan doing doing one per day maybe one per day monday to friday um and then resting saturday sunday there are some great apps out there as well if you look at things like freeletics and, and the nike app and adidas have got one now as well yeah. there's some really good ideas um so as i say things like strength and stability you can still work on that you know, you don't need a huge amount of space for, for some of the exercises. So, yeah, I guess the message is think, maintain as opposed to improve and just think about being creative. Look at as many different sources as you can and trying to get that one workout in a day, have that, you know, that guarantee, that, that schedule that you'll do one session every day of the week. 
Yeah, exactly. And, and there's nothing we can do uh, to change the circumstances. So I guess you just have to yeah. look at it in such a way that uh, this is the hand we've been dealt. And, uh, you know, you want to stay ahead of the game. You, uh, you want to be uh, competitive when you uh, return to the squash court. So, um, you know, you better, better just sort of get a game plan and stick with it. I think that's the interesting thing, isn't it? It's it's everybody, you know, nobody is going to be getting any kind of advantage here unless you've got a, a court in your garden, which is you yeah. know, maybe in America you get that, but certainly not in the UK. That's not, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Very often over here. No. Um, so, yeah, it's it's just hopefully for the program. Well, I guess, yeah, I guess the, the advantage would be to the, the, the person who works hardest under the, these circumstances, right? Or, or comes out, yeah. maybe uh, thinks outside the box somehow. We're going to find yeah. out sooner or later, aren't we? A lot of players, a lot of people have just resigned themselves to the fact they can't do this, they can't do that. Um, you know, you can still do things. Nobody is as upset about things being closed down as I am. Um, but now we've all got to stay positive, stay rational and, and look at what we can do, not, not what we can't do. No, exactly. I mean, what I, with my job anyways, I, I run a... Uh, a center for students who are at risk uh, academically and uh, we we do tutorials with uh, faculty and peer tutors and you know now we're not on well students aren't on campus the faculty's basically not on campus so what am i supposed to do well uh, i got to think outside the box basically and try to come up yeah. with something and ba that's what we uh, i think as uh, squash players have to do figure out you know what's the closest thing we we can do to uh, you know, get out to getting out on court. And that's obviously with the physical uh, side and the cardio side that, that takes care of itself. But uh, we're going to find out sooner or later what some, some and people like you are, are coming up with in terms of ideas of how to address skills. But that brings me to my next question, sort of uh, what skills or parts of the squash game would you think would be the first that would, uh, would diminish on, under these uh, circumstances what what do you predict in in that scenario i think that the first thing you lose is is your sharpness so in terms mm. of reflexes reactions um your sort of speed your agility most yeah. players at some time or another have, have been away you've gone on holiday for a week two weeks you come back and yeah sometimes if you haven't done anything at all and you've been you know eating and drinking a lot you might feel your endurance is lacking a bit but that that soon kind of picks up again it is the the the, the speed the agility the the sort of sharpness characteristics are the ones that we tend to to drop first mm -hmm. i think in terms of being creative you can get outside and, and you can mark a squash court out in a field in a park. So, you, yeah. you know, you can still do your goals. Get, do your get goals out in the backyard sport. like Joey Barrington. Yeah. In, in yeah, Joey's underwear. out there in his underpants right now, probably. He's probably <laughs> there doing his, uh, his coasting. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, you can get out and do that and, and you can be, um, yeah, do things that are slightly outside. You do that in your living box. room if, uh, you know, if it was sizable. If you cleared out a few things, you could, yeah. you know, put a few squash, do some, do some quick ghosting. Yeah, that's that's what some of the playlists we've done for squash skills that, that are coming out soon. We've done some, um, yeah, it was all actually filmed indoors in, in a corner of a room and, you know, mm. that you, you sort of surprise yourself how much you can actually do. But in terms of, of attributes, yeah, it, it's going to be the endurance you can maintain, the strength, the ability, the power, those elements I think you can certainly tick away with. It's, it's the speed and the, the sharpness there. They're definitely going to be the ones that, um, that people are going to struggle with.
I guess you, I mean, you, you've seen, I've seen here and there people playing sort of, or practicing outdoors, like maybe in their backyard or, you know, against the, against the wall somewhere. I guess you, you could attempt to try to keep, to, to keep your rack skills uh, at a certain level, maybe do some target, you know, target practice uh, on the, on a, on a wall, set up some targets, things like that. But I guess uh, it's definitely not the same as uh, getting out there on the, uh, on the squash court. If you can find a flat wall, then great. I mean, most walls, unfortunately, are going to be uneven or it's, it's brickwork. If you can find a, a nice, clean, straight wall, then, then yeah, great. You can get on there and do some volleys. I know Jess Engelbrecht from Squash Gills, he's done a load of videos for us um, with some sort of outdoor routines. And I've seen a few bits on Twitter. So, yeah, if, you, if you've got the facility there, then great. I mean, your racket skills are very difficult to, to work on indoors if you've got ornaments and and valuable tvs lying around but outdoors <laughs> yeah you, you can experiment and try different things yeah yeah 100 percent. now uh, as i mentioned uh, earlier you've been posting a lot of really interesting uh uh pieces lately and and quite a bit of research a few caught my eye uh one was the uh the one on retiring flexibility now i thought that was quite interesting first of all i'm you know my flexibility is diminished dramatically uh, over the last couple of years. I think maybe because I just don't spend enough time on it, but it, it does. Uh, and as the article states, it, it takes up a lot. It takes time away from what mm. you could be doing to, I think this, the generally what they were trying to say was it takes time away from the more important elements of the game. Now for someone like you, who's more into the physical uh, side of things, you may beg to differ uh, with what they were saying there. So what's your take on, uh, on that piece that you posted uh, on retiring uh, flexibility? Flexibility is a difficult one because there's such this sort of dogma surrounding it that you must stretch before you play, you must stretch after you play. Um, you know, the, the, the point I was making in terms of that, that tweet of, of the, the, the commentary that, that I was looking at, if you look at, say, endurance, or you look at strength, or you look at power, if you've got a continuum, at the very lowest end, there's no strength, there's no endurance, there's no power. At the very highest end of the scale is maximum strength, maximum power, maximum endurance. You can't be too strong, you can't be too fit, you can't be too fast. Whereas mobility, if you go from really inflexible to really flexible, you don't want to be on either of those um, ends of those scales. You want to be somewhere in the middle. Mobility, you don't want to be hypermobile. So my biggest issue with stretching is, is that it's so general. People yank a bit here, they yank a bit there, and they do this and they do that. There's, there's no structure, there's no thought behind what what they're stretching and why they're stretching it. And the other point is, there's not even particularly good research that standard static stretching does anything anyway. Mm. You think about, you know, you stretch and it feels good, but nothing physiological is really happening there. If, if you go back and measure that muscle length 15, 20 minutes later, it, it would have returned to what it was before. I always talk about stretching as almost like scratching an itch. It feels nice, but there's not really much going on there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Could, would you yeah. say like, uh, I mean, what I tend to do these days in terms of stretching, I, I mean, I'll, before I play, it's more like warming up. Uh, so I'll, I'll get on the, uh, the elliptical for, for five, 10 minutes before I, I hit the court. Maybe, and then maybe do, cause I've got sort of adductor issues. So I'll, I'll do some mm -hmm. adductor related uh, movements before I get on court and then then I hit the court that's kind of what I do I think it's, it's, it's losing the static stretching you know I'm certainly not saying that 
flexibility is important in some respect in terms of how we use it in, in terms of when we're warming up and, and mobilizing the joints. And, and that's where I tend to try and use it. It's mobilized. We're not just standing still and stretching. It's, it's dynamic flexibility. So it's lunges, mm. it's squats, it's stepping, it's movement based, you know, taking that range of motion. Yeah, you might hold it for a couple of seconds here, a couple of seconds there. But most of what you're doing is, is movement based. As soon as you just stop and statically stretch, there's not much happening. When it's movement based, because you're actually actively doing the movement, you're also going to get that strengthening element and, and that's a big myth about weight training people say oh, it makes you inflexible it, it does exactly the opposite if you're training properly if you think about a straight-legged deadlift when you're going down and the hamstrings mm. think about a, a bench press when you're you know dropping the bar to your chest there's that little stretch in your your pecs and, and, and your delts so it's not just the movement it's actually getting that that deepening range of motion and then you're getting the strength in that deep range of motion if you just right. stretch indiscriminately you're not actually building up the strength at the same time it's a huge topic and you know i could talk about it for a long time but yeah to summarize my, my approach with mobility is to make it an active process you move and you're stepping and, and you're taking yourself through that that active range of motion um and trying not to just sit still and just pull on things there, there are times when that kind of stretching might be incorporated certainly for physio has recommended it to you and there are sort of mm. certain adaptations as well, like the, the contract stretch, the, the, the PNF, what they call the, the proprioceptive neuromuscular facilitation, get that out in one word, um, <laughs> where, you're, where you're sort of contracting and then stretching, contracting and then stretching. So there's sort of different things going on there. You're kind of contracting the muscle and, and there's an element of, of strength in there again. Um, but yeah, often flexibility issues aren't caused by the muscle itself, the, the, the soft tissue itself actually being tight. Often it's other imbalances around. So if I'm working with someone that's got tight glutes, tight hamstrings, for instance, we don't just like me. stretch. Mm. Yeah. So, so if, if that's something you're suffering from, you can look at other elements around it. Why is there maybe a strength issue in the hip flexor and the quad? Is, is there something pulling on it? Is there a reason why there's that issue there? Is, is there a reason why you're getting that tightness? That something must be causing it. So instead of just going sort of there to try and stretch it and treating the symptoms, which probably won't work anyway, it's actually finding the root cause and working around that. It's, it's, it's working and, and discovering what is making that muscle that much tighter. It's, it's, yeah. it's a huge topic, but as I say, yeah, I, I just don't believe in static stretching. I don't believe in just sitting there and, and holding a stretch for 30 seconds is, is going to do anything really. No, for sure. Uh, I don't know what it is. Uh, I did have a, a bit of, I had some hip pain in, in my right hip and I thought, oh, geez, uh, I might need uh, have the, to have this look at, looked at. And then uh, recently I started running a bit more, like a, a two, three times a week, I'll run 5K mm -hmm. or so. And it's been a, a few months and it just seemed, I'm not sure if it's related, but uh, it seems to have uh, subsided a bit, the, uh, the hip pain. As a result, right. I'm not sure if there, there's a connection there or if I've done something else that I'm not aware of that that that, that has helped it. But uh, for some reason, it, it seems to have uh, dissipated the pain that, that with yeah, you, uh, you, in you connection with the running that I've been doing. Yeah, you, you're bringing in something different. You, a lot of players, they just play squash. Their whole routine is based on just squash. So you get these movement patterns, you get these compensatory effects, these overuse issues. Um, and then they'll go in the gym sometimes and then do even more lunges in the gym and instead of working on that base strength right. and, and yeah. movement. 
everything becomes squash. You know, we say about being squash specific, which of course is important, but if everything's squash specific, if you're only doing squash movements, then actually that's just as bad because you're overloading these, these areas that, you know, that they need other elements of strengthening. That's such a, that's a critical one, isn't it? I mean, uh, I never really thought of that, but you go to the, you, you're on the squash court, you're lunging, then you hit, then you think you got to go to the gym and do more of it, but you're just exacerbating yeah. it, aren't you? Yeah, you're actually doing the same movement so many times. Most of the strength programs that, that I build for players are actually quite simple. It's squatting, it's deadlifting, some kind of upper body push, some kind of pull. It's not super complicated. It's just getting those firm foundations built, getting that strength built. And then when we go back and court, we're utilizing those additional elements that we've built up. We're not just smashing squash movements day after day after day because that that is where these strength and, and flexibility issues are coming from for a lot of people. They're just not balanced. That they're not working the body as one synergistic unit. They're dividing things up, and and it's all it's hard because to, to get the proper advice and the proper training, it's it's difficult to to do that when you push for time and, and you want to just play your games. But yeah. I think that for a vast majority of players, a little bit of thought into how they can strengthen and and gain a slightly bigger range of motion around the joints instead of just playing and stretching and know just doing the same generic things day after day right on well that that was the first piece that i wanted to get into retiring flexibility so mine uh, uh in terms of the old school flexibility approach that's definitely retired for me now, um i'd say reti- retiring static stretching would probably be how i'd word it it's not yeah. the flexibility necessarily it's, it's retiring that basic static pulling on areas randomly to me that that, that is is not of any use Right on. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you on that one. It's definitely um, at least warm, uh, make sure you're warm. And then yeah, I think that that's, that, I think I, from our last conversation, the last time you were on Gary, we, that was something you, you stressed was uh, you've got to, you got to be sweating before you, you, you warm up on the squash court. Yeah, if, if you go through a, a proper warm up, you've got kind of three main stages. You've got the first element where you, you know, raise the, the core temperature, get a little bit of blood flow, get a little bit of a sweat on. Then you go through your mobilization and your activation exercises. So it's all movement based. You don't want to stop still. You're moving, you're stepping, you're lunging, you're, you know, opening the joints up, preparing them. And then the third and final stage is, is that much higher intensity sprints or ghosting. So you're kind of going through that three stage process. Um, I think even with the mobility you can certainly do a, a good little bit in your warm-ups you're almost killing two birds with one stone there you don't want to overstretch or, or overdo it but certainly some of the movements in that warm-up are, are going to be good mobility exercises anyway um and even afterwards i think the whole sort of dogma is to stretch as soon as you've finished actually depending on how hard your session was sometimes you might have little micro tears in the muscle you might have slightly pulled something mm. but while your body's warm and, and you've got that adrenaline flowing around you don't really notice it and then you start doing these stretches yeah. and these exercises after you play you can actually make them a lot worse yeah, yeah so definitely. Yeah. doing a little bit of, of light flexibility work mobility work after you play is fine but if you've got an issue with mobility the best thing to do is to do it as a session in and of itself. So you either go to a sauna, warm yourself up that way, and then do the routine, or you have a warm shower. I, I, I try and program mobility as, as separate, as a separate session in itself, instead of just tagging it on to the end every time. Right on, yeah. So you'd, you'd recommend maybe just, uh, especially if you had a hard match, probably not, not stretching mm-hmm. immediately after, after you play, just in case you, you, you may have 
some a, a tear or some some sort of issue that you might not be aware of because you're still warm. Yeah, yeah, definitely that. But just just the focus as well. If if you're you know, if, if you're motivated and determined to, to work on that, that flexibility, you know, treat it with that a little bit more importance. Don't just, just do it at the end of a session. Take the time to look up mobility routines. You know, we've got some squash skills, some that I've done on my own social media, and, and there are a load of apps and YouTube videos out there. But just keep thinking that word of mobility. It's, it's an active, dynamic, flexibility process not just a static pulling we, we want to work the body holistically synergistically everything working together um even with the cool down again there's not really much evidence that it does anything if you've had a really hard match yeah maybe a little bit of a, a light jog for a minute or two then hit the shower do your your cool down in terms of cleaning up changing your clothes get something to eat that's what the cool down should be yeah. and then maybe later as you've you know played earlier on and in the day before you go to bed, have the shower, have the sauna, go through a little bit of mobility work, and that often will help kind of relax uh, the muscles as well, which will help you sleep better. Right on. Uh, now, the second uh, uh, piece that I that, uh, that caught my attention was the the cheat meal and versus the the cheat day. I think that was it. And uh, personally, I've um, it's been about two months now. I've been doing this sort of quasi. Um, intermittent fasting and i've also cut out all i mean for me it's a big thing i've cut out all junk food so no more chocolate bars potato chips oreo cookies things that i used to sort of delve into after i get home after my training and things like that and yeah. i've noticed a world of difference my energy levels are through the roof uh, i feel yeah. great uh, i've actually i mean i'm fairly not at all overweight at all I, i'm I was 84 kilograms. I'm 6'2". Now I'm down to uh, 79. I think that's just, just exactly. trimming the fat that, that may have yeah. been there. Huge difference. Now, now, cheat meal. I might have one per week. I definitely don't have it. I think the cheat day is like when you go out on a, like a huge bender, right? That's a bit much, yeah. It, <laughs> it depends on your goals. I think if you're you know, if, if your goal is to lose a little bit of weight, um, then the way that you eat is going to be very different to if you're trying to eat for performance. I think carbs are the obvious one that people always think about their pasta. So if you're trying to lose weight, you know, if, if you're playing squash just as a bit of exercise, just something that, that you want to keep healthy with, um, then yeah, you know, you're going to need to look at your diet and ultimately it comes down to calorie restriction and, and calorie expenditure. If you reduce the amount of calories you're taking in through food, and if you increase the amount of calories you're burning by exercising, then you'll lose weight. You know, it's thermodynamics. You, you will lose the weight. But as a squash player, as a pro player, or someone that plays squash very seriously, you've got to be eating for performance. You've got to be eating for, for energy. You've got to be eating for repair. Um, so something you said there about the intermittent fasting, from what I've read about it, yeah, some people are getting good results from it because they're restricting the calorie intake as, as much as anything else. Yeah. But if you've got a, a professional it's player... Also, also uh, what, they, what they preach with that intermittent fasting is if you're, you're extremely hungry, then you know, just have... you know a cup of coffee or water or, or a piece of fruit in the, in between your, your fast. Uh, and, and that, yeah, that's been yeah, a huge with, difference. With the fasting. Yeah. You, you do get into a routine and, and you do start to learn, you know, little, little bits you can add in there. Um, but yeah, as an athlete though, the, the problem with that is that you're not getting a, a balanced energy intake. So if you're training on a Monday and you've done your intermittent fasting over the course of the weekends, you've got nothing there. You've got no, real 
sort of energy stores to power you through that tough workout. Mm -hmm. So if I'm working with the sedentary client, then yeah, we'll experiment with a little bit of fasting, we'll experiment with calorie restriction, um, different types of training. But as a squash player, um, it's a lot different. We're training for performance, we're eating for performance. You won't see many squash players. I had this discussion with someone the other day that have really, really low body fat. Most of them, although they're in great shape, they're not looking like bodybuilders. They're not having these, you know, tiny, minuscule body yeah. fat percentages because they're eating a lot of calories. You need a lot of calories yeah. to power you through. You know, if you're training two, three times a day, like some of these guys do, you, you can't do that on, on a calorie restriction. No, for sure. I mean, look at a guy, one, one example, I think it's extreme, but uh, maybe Kareem Abdul-Gawad, he, lo he looks like he's, uh, he, he enjoys his pizza. Yeah. As I say, if you look at a lot of the players, it's some of the female ones as well. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's no sort of disrespect to, to them. No, um, not at all. It's pro all the props to yeah, them, yeah. if they can. Yeah, they're, they're obviously, you can't get through a, a high-level five-set game of squash uh, playing for over an hour if you're not in good shape. Uh, and I don't mean shape as in literally the physical shape of you, but in terms of your fitness, um, if, if you're eating the right things, you're getting a lot of energy on board, you're not going to have a super low body fat. It's, I think it's harder working with younger players, particularly younger female players, because they just mm. think of, of training and, and eating in terms of aesthetics and how they look and, and how they fit into their peer group. When actually, as an athlete, you, you've got to be thinking about performance first and foremost most players will still look pretty good because they are training and expending so many calories but if you're focusing just on how you look and what you weigh then you're looking in the wrong direction and then yeah. going back to what you said about the cheat meal you, you need to reward yourself you, you can't eat super strictly every single day of the week i think no. what the research said and, and my interpretation of it is if you are going to have a cheat meal if you are going to have whatever your favorite mcdonald's is or your nando's or anything else do it after a tough session or after a tough match. Yeah, yeah. reward when, yourself. When your body, yeah. Your, yeah, your body can utilize the additional calories and, and fats and carbohydrates that you take in. Um, it's the same with pro players. I'm not going to mention any names, but there's one pro player that I've worked with. When he finishes a tournament, first thing he does is go to Burger King, go to Nando's, and he'll order two meals. He'll either order two Nando meals or two Burger King meals, and, and that's his, you know, that's his end of tournament kind of routine. Um, right yeah. And yeah, it's, it's it's probably not ideal to have two uh, two uh, cheat meals in, in in quick succession. But he's earned it as far as he's concerned. He's done the right things. He's trained hard. Yeah. He's been disciplined, and and that's your release at the end of it. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, for me, it's a every well Thursday. It's a Friday uh, here in the UAE. So on a mm. Thursday night, we'll have uh, you know we'll go out for go to uh, I guess similar to to a Nando's, and then. Uh, I'll have a beer with uh, a beer with that meal. Yeah, yeah, it's it's something that you have to. Even as a pro, you, 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 I'm a big believer that you're going to be in a better position psychologically if you allow yourself the occasional treat. Um, yeah, of course there are. Yeah, you're not always on walking on eggshells, are you? I mean, you can go out, yeah. you know, you know, you know, yeah, you, you put in the the hard work and you reward yourself at the at the end of it. Yeah, if you train hard, if you do the right things, if if you do the psychological elements, you're doing the physical elements, you, you know, you're watching squash, you're training, you're talking, that one additional unhealthy meal in the scheme of things really isn't important. It's not something you're going to be doing every day. But yeah, I do believe there needs to be a little bit of release sometimes. Definitely. Do, do, you, uh, do you have a cheat day, Gary? 
I eat such a bland diet that I probably don't. I eat just chicken, broccoli, pasta, just okay. because I, I, think, I think my taste buds died about 10 years ago. I don't really... Uh, you lead by example then, right? Well, I wish I could say it was, it was through discipline. It's just, yeah, I, I don't particularly like really sugary or really fatty foods. I just prefer very bland tasting food. Yeah. No, it's funny you say that. I mean, it took me about two or three weeks to sort of resist, resisting the urge to get back into, you know, eating the the Snickers bars and the potato chips and stuff. But now, now I'm like, uh, you know, there's, you know, like you said, it's kind of too sugary. It's too, you know, there's something wrong when, when you're eating it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, you, you sort of lose the taste for it. And that does take discipline to get to that stage for most people. It doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't get into a huge amount of detail with sort of calorie tracking and things like that. Although I've got a qualifications in nutrition, it's not my specialist subject. Um, but a good app, I think it's called My Fitness Pal, is really good that you can use to actually track how many calories you take in every day. And then some people are quite surprised by how much it is. So it's not so much about the specific numbers exactly, you know, counting this and that, but just seeing roughly how many calories you take in over the course of a week. A lot mm-hmm. of people are quite surprised at how much they're actually eating and drinking. So just being aware of it is a, a big part of, of optimizing that kind of nutritional area. Right on. Now, uh, now, Gary, you you've been um, I know on Squash TV when when the Pro uh, Tour was uh, had been had been ongoing there for the you know since the beginning of 2020. You've been uh, prolific on uh, Squash TV. Your name's been mentioned a few times. Uh, working with a few pros here and there. So, what what pros uh, have you been working with lately, and uh, how are things going there? And and what are your you mentioned it earlier, but uh, what are your plans with them? Uh, uh, these days, I've got a certain amount of players that I record all of their training on every day. Um, so Colleen Armad, that's just come back from the Blackburn Egypt, got to the quarterfinals. Yeah, She's doing yeah. really well. Um, I work with Rui Suarez, the Portuguese player. He's another one that sort of has a, a daily ongoing program with me. Um, Menenasia, Egyptian girl. There's a few Egyptians. Obviously, I've worked with Mazen Hesham as well. Mazen back in Egypt at the moment. Um, How's so he, uh, he had a, a slight injury there in the last event. Is he, uh, is that something serious or is he, he'll be able to get over it's, that? Do you think? He's had, he's, had, he's had other issues, but this is something slightly different. It's not really connected to the other area. So I don't think this is going to be a, a particularly serious one for him. Um, but yeah, he's, he's back in Egypt now. We, we haven't done quite as much lately. I think he's just concentrating on getting that, that slight pull that he's got rehabbed. Um, and then sort of moving on from there. I know there's been other issues in Egypt with weather, I think, as well. So Egypt's been a bit of a, a lockdown for, for slightly longer than we have over here. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah but as I say, there, there are a lot of players that I also just work with on, on, a, on a, an occasional basis. Um, Richie Fallows comes over sometimes, Adrian Waller, Josh Masters. Right. Um, but yeah, I have kind of my core players that I speak to or, or work with every single day. And then I have other sort of peripheral players that just come and see me now and then. Just for Adrian's a, amazing. A I mean, uh, I've I've seen him play a, a fair bit recently, and for a guy that big to be that agile, uh, moving around the court, uh, I'm impressed. Adrian's an amazing athlete. Um, I can't take too much credit for that. He he works through England squash with the English Institute of Sport. Um, got a really good setup in in Hatfield in Hertfordshire that he spends a lot of time at. Uh, but yeah, he comes over to me occasionally. We do sort of speed work, movement work. Um, but 
what a lot of people don't know about Adrian is that he's actually had the highest uh, bleep test score out of all the England squash kind of academies and training squads over the years. He holds the record. So he oh, did really? certainly up to about six months ago. I think he's still got it now. No one had ever done the bleep test and gone further on it um, out of all these England training programs than him. So I, yeah, I don't he doesn't think, appear I when, when I've seen him play. He doesn't ever really appear to be to be exhausted in any any of his. No. I mean, obviously he 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 gets gets tired, but uh, it ne- it's never really evident uh, when you watch him play. Nah, super super fit. I mean, I've gone on runs with him before, and he's ended up about twenty minutes ahead of me. I mean, he's he's, he's <laughs> super athlete. Super yeah. athlete. Um, what, how do you explain that? I mean, for a guy, I mean, I'm a big guy, and uh, uh, although I'm fifty now, I, I don't. Movement wasn't necessarily my, uh, you know, the, the best part of my game. How do you explain that for a guy uh, that big, uh, that tall, that sort, you know, long-legged to be uh, sort of that coordinated? Adrian's very, very smart. He's very diligent with his training. What he mm-hmm. does a lot of, and the stuff that I've mainly done with him is, is more sort of footwork-based, more movement-based. He kind of understands um, his body shape. He understands what works for him, what doesn't. He's never going to be as, as sprightly as someone like Ali Farag or Rodriguez or, or Gosal, but he worked very hard on, on being able to turn sharply and, and pick balls off, use the volley. Um, it's obviously something that players will try and expose, same to someone like Ros and they're big guys, that they are going to struggle a little bit more with the movement and the turning. But Adrian's very, very intelligent and he knows what he needs to work on and he knows what he needs to do. Um, what yeah, do you think, like, uh, I mean, when I watch him play, I, you know, I, I think there's a lot of potential there. Uh, uh, there. There's something that, is there something that he maybe needs to inject into his game to, to take him to that sort of upper level? Because it, it seems to me like he has all the, you know, all the, fun, all the, all the skills and, and the physical capabilities to, to get there. Yeah, I, I think it's, when you get to that top 20, though, it's such minute, percentages that, that, that can push you up, even down to getting the luck of the draw. If you get a couple of good draws and a couple of the big events, then, then you'll move up. I think the I think the top 10 are, are slightly more sort of further ahead, but I think from number 10 to number 20 in, in the rankings, there's a lot of players there that can all beat each other on their day. Um, yeah. So I think with Adrian, you know, he, he certainly understands the game and he certainly thinks a lot about it to determine what he needs to do. Um, as I say, I mean, he, he does his training every day with the AS with his gym access over there. He does his technical work on court with, with Paul Carter. Um, yeah, if, if anybody is going to make it in terms of maximizing their potential, I think Adrian is, is the one. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, yeah, it's always fun watching him play, for, especially for a, a tall guy like me. I sort of uh, envy his ability to move, uh, move so seemingly and effortlessly around, around the court. So, uh, yeah, no, on court, he's, he's, he's a great athlete. He likes, he likes to have a good chat with the refs every now and then. But other yeah, than that, he's... Um, let's enjoy he's that. Well, that's missing for... Well, it's not really missing, but uh, it's something we don't get to see a lot of, especially for those of us who, uh, you know, big uh, Peter Nickel, Jonathan Power era fans. Yeah, I mean, Adrian is <laughs> someone that's certainly a, a character on court in terms of how he reacts and, and, and speaks to, to the ref. Um but, you know, I, I shouldn't need to say it. But off-court, Adrian's the, the quietest, nicest, most polite guy you'll ever meet. You know, I think some people get a... Too many people, I think, look at players, all of the players on TV, and, and they think they know them. They think this is what this person is like based on how they behave on a court. And, yeah, someone like Adrian, it, it couldn't be further from the truth. He's, he's a perfect gentleman off-court. 
Right on. Yeah, I didn't realize that. I, I don't really recall ever seeing him have an outburst with the referee, but uh, I guess you, you've seen him uh, play quite a bit up up close and personal. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's no worse than a lot of the other players. I think all of those guys, you know, I, I like it, as you say, with the mm. old school, John Powell, Peter Nicol, Palmer, you know, you like that little bit of passion <laughs> on court. You like yeah. a little bit of you know, edge to it, don't you? It shouldn't all be sterile silence, you know. I, I think a little bit of fire adds to the game. Yeah, Galche is kind of one of the only guys who's out there from the old school yeah. anyway. So there, there's still a bit of that uh, left in him. He has a bit of, he's a bit cheeky out there on the court, not only with the ref, mm-hmm. but uh, a lot of gamesmanship with, with Galtier. Yeah, I, th- I think he gets away with quite a lot. Uh, but yeah. again, it's, it's, it's fun to watch. Oh, Galtier's absolutely. My yeah. favorite to watch. I, lo- I love it. And um, yes, there's definitely a fine line between gamesmanship and cheating. Yeah, there oh, are, yeah. Uh, yeah. There aren't many players on the tour. I mean, there are one or two whose names I won't mention further down in the rankings that you could probably label them with the C word but for most players it's just gamesmanship and it's just all part of it yeah 100% now uh, Gary you've been uh, fantastic uh, with your time I just had just wondering uh, what's in the hopper now uh, as regards squash skills or your own uh, your own social media postings that that you you, uh, kindly uh, post up there for us anything uh, new coming up uh, on squash you mentioned earlier but on squash skills or your own content yeah, we, we filmed the whole playlist um, of indoor training uh, or, or small space training. So hopefully that's going to come out either next week or the following week on squash skills. Um, I'm trying to put as much of my own stuff on, on Twitter and Instagram as I can. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll add my, my um, handles to the, uh, to the post with the blog when you put it. Yeah. Out. So what, what is your social media? What are your social media handles, uh, Gary? So my, my Twitter is um, UNQFIT Solutions, so Unique Fit Solutions, just with the first part of the unique missing. If you just search for Gary Nisbet on there as well, it yeah. should come up. And then my Instagram is unique.fitness.solutions, or one word. So I'm trying to put stuff on there. Are um, you prolific uh, on Insta or Twitter? Which one? Uh... I probably use Twitter more, but certainly at the moment it's easier to upload the videos to Instagram. So that's probably what I'll be putting most of the workouts on. Um, I just want to help people out. I know how hard it is for me not being able to get to the gym or the court. And I know a lot of people are going through the same. So if I can help out in any way, then then that's something I want to try and do. Um, With squash skills, it's different, obviously, because it's business. And when we're trying to put, you know, usable content out there all the time. But me personally, I tend to post, as you say, more sort of research-based stuff generally. Whereas now I want to get a lot more kind of exercise demos out there and, and really try and give people some things they can do. Well, I've made uh, I've made inroads with uh, with with the boss uh, with with Peter and ho- hopefully going to have him on in in a, in a month or so. Yeah, we had, we had Peter on. He did um, the playlist with me on coming back from injury, which I thought was quite an interesting one. Yeah, I was trying to give the perspective of of the sort of science behind it and the rehab. And Peter spoke a lot more about his kind of personal feelings. And, and there's some great stuff on, on squash skills documentaries and things like that. And I know the England squash have now got a few out there and PSA is starting to do it. So there's a lot more squash content to, to watch out there. So I think in the short term, it's all going to be related to training and, and utilizing the, the tools that you've got. But hopefully longer term, you know, we'll go back to normal. And yeah. those kind of documentary series and things like that are great for the sport. It gives us a much higher profile, it engages people. 
So hopefully, you know, that'll be the way forward in terms of growing the sport, just getting a little bit more, you know, more varied media out there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's no, I, I really, uh, I think you hit the nail on the head there. There, there is no excuse really for anyone, you know, given the circumstances, it's unfortunate. Let's hope Corona virus uh, doesn't, you know, we stem the spread soon, but there's no excuse yeah. for us to, uh, you know, sort of just stop and get complacent. We can still keep our games, keep our cardio uh, strength, physical strength at a certain level. Can't we? Yeah. We're, we're all in the same boat. We're all together. Everyone's in the same position. Um, as I say, just, just think maintenance, think about maintaining what you've got, maybe set yourself a few little goals, maybe improve on one or two strength things if you can, but just keep ticking over, keep active. And, and that's both for physical and mental reasons. You, you've, you've got to keep to a routine. You've got to keep doing active exercises as much as you can. Yeah. Well, Gary, uh, thanks for everything you do. I really appreciate you coming on today and uh, looking Pleasure. forward to uh, further uh, you know, updates on Twitter and Instagram and uh, keeping us all uh, motivated and uh, ready to hit the courts again when we can. I'll be doing my best. I'll be doing my best. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Jerry. Take care. Uh, some really, really good stuff there. Lots to chew on. Uh, thanks, Gary, for, for your time. And I uh, want to thank all of you for your time as well. Uh, hopefully, uh, over the next week and a half or so, I've got plenty more of, uh, of podcasts uh, coming your way. Uh, in a day or so, I'll be speaking with Max Withers. Uh, Miguel Rodriguez is a mental coach who's been on once before, and he's got plenty of uh, insight on... Uh, on the coronavirus and how we can uh, manage uh, this uh, in terms of our squat in terms of the squash community and I'm sure I'm going to get to uh, ask him a bit more about uh, the mental side of the squash game as well so uh, Max Withers a good friend of mine will be on uh, middle of the week and then at the end of the week uh, looking forward to this one Kamar Zaman a uh, bit on the heels of uh, his nephew's uh, parents Shahid Zaman and I know this will be fantastic uh, Kamar uh, legend of the game one of the arguably the the best uh, uh, shot maker that we've seen in, in our sport uh, looking forward to talking to him he's uh, seemingly excited to come on as well and I know all of you will enjoy that one uh, so that'll be in the middle of the week and then towards the end of the week um, French prospect top prospect and Harvard number one uh, Victor Quint is coming on uh, as well and uh, we'll have plenty to talk about there he's shown that he's one of the uh, the top young talents out there he's balancing uh, attempting to balance on occasion playing a few pro uh, tournaments uh, along with his studies at Harvard where he's also uh, playing number one for for Harvard in Mike Way's uh, team there so really looking forward to talking to to Victor uh, Quinn at the end of the week as well so we've got at least three and I'm looking to to do a few more as well to keep us uh, uh, keep us informed, keep uh, the squash conversation going, and that's what we need to do. Keep our eye on the ball during these times when we're not on court. But uh, this is uh, only going to help. So want to wish all of you uh, healthy days ahead and uh, keep up the good fight, everyone. Uh, we'll be back on court hopefully in the near future. Take care now. Enjoy your off-court squash, and talk to you soon. Goodbye now.